This is the OKC82 Podcast, replaying the Franchise Thunder Insider Show, heard every Saturday from 10 a.m. to 12 p.m. on the Franchise Podcast Network. Welcome to the dawn of a new generation of Thunder basketball. They're all gone, guys. They're all gone. Every forefather of this uh, organization has now been shipped off, traded, left via free agents, retired, all that good stuff. Serge Ibaka, Russell Westbrook, Kevin Durant, James Harden, Joe Nick, Smith, Nick Collison, Chris Wilcox, <laughs> Johan Petro, <laughs> Earl Watson, Robert Swift. Robert Swift. By the way, everybody's freaking out about uh, Russell Westbrook and his 11 years of service here in Oklahoma City. I mean, he wasn't the original starting point guard for the Oklahoma City Thunder. Does anybody remember who that was? Watson. I, I, I do. Yes. I, I do. And, and, it- and I remember, um, you know, the thought process by some in the OKC media that Russ would make a really good sixth man one day. <laughs> I vividly remember that being the analysis. We are the Franchise Thunder Insiders. I am Jerry Ramsey, joined by John Hamm. Brady Trantham, fresh from Vegas. He looks, you look unreasonably healthy for somebody who spent a week in Vegas. Oh, I'm broke, Jerry. I don't have that much money to have fun in Vegas. <laughs> and then uh, no Madison Morris. She is captured in the mountains of Colorado. Chisholm Holland is uh, joining us on the uh, ones and twos today. How are you doing, Chisholm? Doing well. Captured in the mountains? Yeah. No, according to her Instagram, she was at the Overlook Hotel. Oh, oh. Yeah. Okay. What was she Matt- doing? Overlooking? Uh, Hopefully not going in what room was it? Uh, four thirteen. I can't remember. Is that where the shining? Yeah, it's oh, okay. the same hotel. Okay, just go, stay away from the twins. Yeah. That's all I know. Is stay away from the twins. <laughs> uh, this also is going to serve as one of the what, OKC eighty two podcasts. Yes, sir. And so, uh, if you're listening to that, be sure to subscribe. Uh, John and I will not uh, litter this that often, but uh, you'll have Brady and Madison in full full gear for the rest of the off season. Uh, which, by the way, this off season. What the hell else could happen? (laughs) What else could happen? Last week, we're on the air. Paul George, the night before, gets traded, right? You and I scrambled up, planned to take the day off. Yep. But when something like that happens, you know, we kind of race up here. You got to show up here. And then just a week later, the Russell Westbrook era is over. John, it's all over. It is all over. And uh, there's a really fun picture of Taco Fall. And uh, Carson Carson Edwards, Edwards. yes. I believe if you took that same picture and put how much the Oklahoma City Thunder were over the salary cap (laughs) to begin the offseason, and then now, you know, with Taco Fall, and then look at Carson Edwards, and that's where they're (laughs) at right now. Can you sort of give us uh, what people are missing out on is, we'll talk about the legacy of Russell Westbrook and Paul George and all that stuff. We'll talk about all that. But let's get to brass taxes, because we are the insider show. How close are they to not having to pay the luxury? Where are they with all that stuff? Are there any moves to be left to get them under? Sure. No, I look, I, I don't think the moves are over by any stretch of the imagination. And, and not just uh, moves to duck under the luxury tax. I think they're going to continue to churn the roster. And that may continue through the regular season and beyond as they continue this rebuild. But, you know, where OKC is at at this moment, yeah, they're still a little bit over the luxury tax line. But look. That's not decided until the last day of the regular season. Now's a good time to take advantage if you've got a team with cap space or a trade exception. Like That's why the the Denver deal happened. They had a trade exception that was going to expire. That was an opportunity to move Jeremy Grant in the direction they were headed. Um, They have time here to work through this. So, you know, they're close, but 
you know, I think more importantly right now, it's about what they do with this rush trade, what they do with Chris Paul, and sort of figuring that out and then move on. I went with John first, Brady, and uh, uh, and I wanted to talk about, okay, obviously Chris Paul comes up to Oklahoma City, Russell Westbrook goes down to Houston. It's a swap of bad contracts, whatever you want to say about that. Now that John has said that, and they're still overtaxed, there is no way in hell, right? I saw conflicting reports where Presti is supposed to sit down and talk with Chris Paul uh, and actually try to make him an active member of next year's roster. And then a ton of others saying there's no way that Chris Paul will ever put on an Oklahoma City jersey. Where do you where do you stand on that? Yeah, I can't I can't really imagine a scenario where Chris Paul at this point in his career wants to play in Oklahoma City and not because of the city. Um, it's been well documented, especially by uh, Brett, our friend Brett Dawson from The Athletic, that Chris Paul looks back on his time, his two years in Oklahoma City very fondly. Uh, he started his NBA career here. I don't think it has anything to do with that. It's just simply Chris Paul wants to compete for playoff um, contention. He wants to compete for championships. And then, you know, until two days ago, he was on a team that could, could sneakily have made some run in the Western Conference, despite the fact that they had, before the Russell trade, hadn't really made any big moves. Um, so I think for that, Chris Paul simply just wants to go into a better situation for him personally. Um, but then you can look at it logistically. Um, the Thunder have three point guards on their roster. And Shea Gilgis-Alexander, who um, I thought played extremely well last year, and he is the de facto point guard of the future, you don't move him to the two. I- I've seen people say, well, you can move him to the two and if you keep Chris Paul or you can um, have Dennis Schroeder start so he doesn't have to back up a second-year player. It- it's-, it's a logjam for a multitude of reasons at the point guard position. So the Thunder just logistically need to make, they're going to make some more moves and it goes well beyond the fact of, oh, they need to get under the luxury tax because like John said, they have all season to, to, to do that. And all that it really takes at this point is moving maybe a Patrick Patterson or a Dennis Schroeder and then they're fine. Yeah, I, it's not near as dire as it was a few weeks ago. Now granted, uh, everyone's made this joke. If, joke. if you're trying to get under the luxury tax, there's easier ways to do it than trading Russell Westbrook and Paul George. Uh, but Pretty I, like, drastic. Yeah, yeah like, it's, like this is not a concern anymore. Like, I, I think they're within $4 million. I've seen some people say 2.5, somewhere around in there. Um, so pretty small, minuscule moves to dodge the luxury tax. I, I wouldn't concern myself with that as a fan. As far as Chris Paul goes, though, I, I don't think we're in the situation where Presti is going to trade one of the assets that he has gathered to just to get off Chris Paul. Like I just I just don't think we're there. Chris Paul might not want to be here, but I don't see Presty giving up value just to get a guy off the roster. So there's a chance that Chris Paul's here through December 15th and then maybe at that point he gets flipped to the Lakers for some expiring contracts something like that. I can see him being flipped for just expirings or just contracts, but I can't see the Thunder giving up a first round or two first round picks just to get off the long-term money of Paul. And they've never done that. They didn't do that when they had Carmelo Anthony here. Um, and the buyout stuff, don't listen to any of that. That's the most hogwash thing I've ever heard in my whole <laughs> yeah. life. That makes no sense. Chisholm, that sent me through the roof. That was the initial reaction. Well, they're going to buy him out so we can go to the Lakers. And this is why this is why we're talking right now. We're going to put this on a podcast and stuff because you, you're right. People are not informed on how the whole business oh side is. They're so Jerry, emotionally. I saw, yeah. I saw national people. Like, you know, this wasn't just fans. This wasn't a bunch of Lake, you know, a guy with the, with the Lakers medallions saying it online like these were like reporter type guys and i'm like no now john this is what makes you so valuable is that there's a lot of people and i'm telling you 
anytime I'm on the air with you, I thank God, Brady Chisholm, you need to feel the same way because I hate hearing shows and other shows uh, just, and we're talking national shows too, go, well, I don't know what kind of situation they're in, but they need to, and then just throw out this crazy stuff. And I'm not smart at all. I'm the song and dance guy on this thing, but I'm smart enough because I've <laughs> hung around with you long enough to know that that's not going to happen because right. that's how the money is doing. Chisholm, I know you're pretty smart, but. Honestly, uh, if you didn't steal half of John's stuff, right? None of us would be this smart. That's exactly right. <laughs> so thank exactly God. Right. Thank God we're we're around John Ham to have all, all this stuff, and that's why I started with this. And I didn't start with the emotional stuff. We'll get into that in a minute. But back to Chris Paul and being here, and I like what you said there, Chisholm. Being here till the fifteenth, he can be here till the fifteenth all he wants. Is he going to play? Because. Now, remember, we were talking about this when Russell Westbrook was, you know, a guy that was still on the team and how they had maybe wait until December or whatever. There's no way he was going to play, but he was going to be on the roster. Is Chris Paul in that same way where we're going to find a knee or a hamstring or something to put him in a suit because he's just not ready to play with his team? I mean, that's interesting. If if there was something that was lined up that could not happen until like December, I, they may sit down and have that conversation. Um, and, and I don't know, maybe a lot depends on, on where Danilo Gallinari stands. Is is he on the roster going into training camp? If so, maybe you do play Chris Paul for a little bit. But there is that injury risk because, man, those hamstrings are made out of paper mache. <laughs> Especially his. <clears throat> no, it, the Thunder, you know, with Chris Paul and even before with Russell Westbrook, they had um, multiple pathways to basically follow. They could kind of have one foot in, one foot out of, like, Yes, we want to rebuild, but we also don't want to tank completely and become the Phoenix Suns because this is a small market. We want to compete. We want to have the appearance of competing and trying to win basketball games while developing our young talent. Chris Paul, if he's on the team at least until December, gives the Thunder that opportunity. And then if like whatever happens after that, the Thunder still have more assets to move, especially at the deadline, like a Danilo Gallinari, who is a very good player. He could help put a team over the hump. Um, in the Western or the Eastern Conference, he's that good of a player, and it just gives Pressy that much more trade ammo to say, well, I need to get more assets. So it basically depends. Like If Chris Paul's on the roster, the Thunder are going to have quite the competitive roster considering all the moves that have happened. Like They're not going to be terrible. They're not going to be very good, and they, they would be very lucky to be in the eighth seed uh, conversation even at that point in the season. So they have multiple ways that they can go. It's just going to be really interesting to see how how much the front office values uh, winning, um, Ch- even despite all these moves. Chisholm, I'm going to ask you this, though. Uh, with Chris Paul, it, it, even if there is any of him playing, don't the Thunder want to finish DFL? I mean, if you're going to collect all these assets... Daily Fantasy League? Yes, absolutely. <laughs> if you're going to collect all these assets, and this is the beginning of the whole thing, isn't the right move to just make sure that all you have on the court are projects and potentials to see what could go forward with you. And hell, if you get out with 20, 25 wins like the Phoenix Suns, like you said, Brady, isn't that actually the best move? Uh, maybe five years ago. I don't know if that's the case anymore. First off, I think what people always undersell on tanking teams is leadership still matters. And I think there's an element of if you're an NBA player for the first six years of your career, all you know is winning 20 games. It doesn't matter how much talent I put around you. All you know is winning 20 games. There has to be some element of trying to be competitive night in and night out. I think SGA got a part of that with when he was with the Clippers. I think that needs to continue. The Thunder don't need to upright pitch the tent and just go home. I think they need to try to win games. Uh, you can watch, look at the Boston model, look at the Brooklyn Nets model. They were trying to win all the way through those processes, and that helped. Uh, but more importantly, the lottery odds now are so leveled off 
that even if you have the fifth best chance, you might as well have the first best chance. They're close enough where it's comparable, where winning 20 games to ensure you have the best chance to win the the lottery versus winning 32 games, which feels a whole lot better for the for the fan base, for the organization, and for most importantly the players in the court. Those odds are pretty similar. So it does you a whole lot more good to try to be competitive every night. So I think tanking, like we've seen in the past, I don't know if that's as beneficial as it used to be. That's an excellent point. And it's not just about going from, you know, four to one. As we saw last year, you can go from nine to four. Right. Right. Or you could be the Knicks and go one to three. Exactly. It could go either direction, but OKC at least has, you know, they have that possibility and they have a bunch more assets if they do find an opportunity to move up even more. 1077 The Franchise, 1079 in Tulsa. It is the Franchise Thunder Insider Show. Uh, You're not going to get information like this anywhere else. Uh, We'll have you covered with all the stuff. We'll have a little bit of fun too. I got a couple of questions about Sam Presti. Uh, We'll talk about Russell Westbrook uh, and his legacy here. Other stuff going on in the NBA. Guys, it is almost the it's the middle of July. It's almost August. And this is still like fresh and popping and whatever. The NBA never sleeps. Um I never thought uh when we started this thing a couple of years ago that we'd be doing shows well into July and they still have absolute relevance. So uh we'll just get that going. Uh whenever we come back, we will talk about Russell Westbrook and his long lasting legacy here in Oklahoma City. One zero seven seven, the franchise. One zero seven nine in Tulsa. You're listening to the Franchise Thunder Insider Show. John Ham, Brady Trentham, Chisholm Holland sitting in for Madison Morris today. I am TV's Jerry Ramsey. This also is going to serve as an OKC eighty two podcast. I can't sell it as well as you can, Brady. Sell it to the people, will you? Uh, yes. Uh, wherever you listen to podcasts, Spotify, Apple Podcasts, SoundCloud, Stitcher, Google Play. I don't know, even know if some of those exist still, but it's up there. Just type in OKC-82 and uh, subscribe. Uh, we put out three podcasts a week unless they're monumental trades and then there'll, there'll be emergency podcasts, of course. But we'll get you covered all the way up till the start of the season. Then it goes back to the usual format of one podcast after every game, just a reaction by Miss Madison Morris and me, and then maybe some guests along the way. So we have a lot of fun with it, so please subscribe and listen. Speaking of uh, podcasts, let's go ahead and while we're just selling everything, John, uh, you've been quite busy uh, recently with your stuff. Uh, Tell everybody else where they can get a hold of you. Oh, man. Uh, I mean, obviously on Twitter, at John M. Ham, um, And uh, so I've been doing stuff at welcometoloudcity.com. You can follow us there at WTLC. so cranking out a lot like of stuff Like the uh, Chicago Bulls guard, TLC? Yes, okay. yes, him, the, the former OKC great. Um, he scored 11 points in, against Phoenix that one time. That was Better legacy, TLC or Paul George? <laughs> Without those 11 points, the Thunder would have had the same win totals they did the previous year. That's right. So, uh, And then also do check out, uh, you know, we, there is a podcast, the OKC Dream Team, patreon.com slash OKC Dream Team, uh, where you have me, you have Andrew Schlecht from Down to Dunk, you have Brett Dawson from The Athletic, uh, you have ESPN's uh, Royce Young, and uh, we have a lot of fun there. For now, ESPN's Royce Young in Oklahoma City's. I'm telling everybody else is going to leave. Why wouldn't he leave? I'd be packing my stuff right now. Get out of here, Royce. It's no good. It's barren. Leave it for us people that uh, have to live here. Now, yeah, I mean, we are talking about uh, Portland Trailblazers writer Royce Young. <laughs> I'm surprised right. Slater isn't going to Brooklyn just yet. <laughs> I know. <laughs> so, uh, but yes, uh, and the Chisholm, uh, where can they get hold of you? 
My cell phone number is uh, <laughs> myspace.com. At Chisholm Hall. Okay. And you're also... Uh, I'm on the franchise drive six to eight, go. Monday through Friday. Yeah, Chisholm's, Chisholm's also on the OKC82 podcast on Mondays, and he'll fill in. Like, he filled in, did a good job when the Russell Westbrook news broke. That's the most previous episode, I believe. So, uh, yeah, Chisholm's a big part of the OKC82 right as well. Right now, Chisholm, right here around the franchise and everything that we do, he's sort of the, the calk, if you will. I don't know what that means. That means whenever there's like a little hole or something, you feel you, it. Like you, you, you pronounce it a certain way. Good yeah, job. You emphasize the you. Way to go, man. <laughs> yes. That, you, you do the fill-in, you know. I think he said cult at first. No. And I was like, he's, I don't know. He's, our, he's our Lou Williams. He's yes. the sixth man of the year every single go. year. And by the way, Jerry, just use toothpaste. You don't <laughs> have to use caulk. You just have to use some toothpaste. Works just as well. Okay. That's, uh, Is that true? I'm, it's what Paul George did with the house he just oh. left. So, yeah, just, just fill in those nail holes. A little toothpaste. <laughs> we'll talk about Paul George in a second. But Russell Westbrook. I mean, the guy who was here for 11 years. The guy was the heart and soul of Oklahoma City, especially after Kevin Durant left. Uh, everyone, everyone on the national level knew this was a sinking ship. Even some here at a uh, local level thought that uh, it was about to go down and it was going to be the Las Vegas Thunder uh, in no time. Oh, God. Russell Westbrook put the franchise on his shoulder incredibly for a year and then for the two years after that john he averaged a triple double for three years yeah and look i i do think um that has obviously been minimized a lot on the national level and elsewhere um guys i i don't i, I don't think that's ever going to happen again i don't know if it'll happen again for a season um, so when he did it one year, obviously the, the stakes were non-existent and Russ was able to do what he wanted and he did. Uh, the problem is he continued to do what he wanted for the next couple of years. And, but still he accomplished it. It's something that no one has done before. There's a few guys we can look at right now and say, yeah, maybe they could kind of pull it off, but, um, it is, uh, it is pretty remarkable. And again, I just, I, I keep emphasizing this. You know, uh, we talked about this some on a recent Dream Team pod. You know, there's the thought of what does OKC have to show for this, right? For all these star players that came in. Go walk around Bricktown. Go walk around south of the arena and have a look at what's going on. Oklahoma City has a lot to show for it. There's just no piece of fabric up in the uh, up in the rafters. Yeah, I mean, I've made this comparison a handful of times, but you look at a guy like Allen Iverson who was trashed for the majority of his career by the national media, by fans that weren't... Uh, you know, of the fan base of the 76ers. You look at him now, and especially like on Twitter, social media, the guy is lauded for his, like his fearless play. You know, he put the team on his back. And I really think that Westbrook's going to fall into that category, you know, years down the road, not necessarily with Oklahoma. Oklahoma is always going to love Russell Westbrook. Um, but he's, he's a guy that's going to get his due praise well after he's done playing because people are going to look back and exactly what John said. I don't know if anyone's ever going to do this. And, not necessarily because uh, they're not as talented as Russell Westbrook, but because they just don't really have the desire to go after a triple double like that. But that's that's here. That's neither here nor there. Russell stood for so much more than just being a basketball player. He made people um, proud to be, you know, in Oklahoma City. Be proud to be Oklahoma, and it, it made people you know, puff out their chest just a little bit more. Um, he's going to be remembered fondly by Oklahomans. And nationally, that'll, that's going to take some time. And no matter what happens with him in Houston, uh, Russell is going to be an iconic basketball player, and he's going to be an iconic Hall of Famer when it's all said and done. Yeah, Russell's legacy is complicated and convoluted, and there's like 90 different directions you can go. 
the one that's going to stand out for me is like this was the first guy in Oklahoma City, obviously with OU football, Oklahoma State football, and all the other sports that go on at the colleges. There's guys that people have. Like my dad loves Tony Allen, but Tony Allen was here for four years in Stillwater. Like people love Trey Young. He was here for a year. Blake Griffin was here for just a handful of years. Russell Westbrook he was here for 11 years. People like my little brother who's 18 years old. He just doesn't know what sports are like without having a guy. A guy who's going to be here every single year, year in and year out. He's, he's their guy. Do I like what he does all the time? Doesn't matter. He's our guy. Do I like what he did at the end of the game? Doesn't matter. He's our guy. And that had never existed before because colleges have so much turnover. This was the first time a professional sports franchise in Oklahoma City had a guy. He's going to be their first. He won't be their last. There'll be more people who come through Oklahoma City and plant their flag here. But he was their guy. And I think it's just, it's always going to be remembered that out of everything that happened here, he was the one who chose to stay. He was the one who showed affection towards Oklahoma City anytime he got the opportunity. And he just bought into it. And Oklahoma City bought into him. And uh, my wife broke the news to my son, my uh, my eight year old son, about the trade. And Christian's reaction was, put him back. <laughs> just put, put him back. And she's like, well, well, he went to go play with James Harden, who used to be here. Well, put him on this team. Like, you That's know, a good Christian, call. Christian's got to figure it out. Yeah. That's a good call, Christian. Well, okay, and it's really complicated, too, as, as people who covered him. And I, I think there's a great, go listen to your Dream Team podcast, and I think uh, you've been, you know, widely acclaimed for the four of you guys sitting there talking about covering Russell Westbrook. Um, but it was, it was very complicated, but let's not, let's not get past the fact, now that he's gone, we can bitch about him all we want for the years to come. <laughs> but this week, this week, he absolutely... Uh, embodied what we wanted Oklahoma City to be. We wanted it to be tough. We wanted it to be cool, right? Russell Westbrook was cool. And that you never heard Oklahoma City associate it with cool. It was the epicenter of fashion in the NBA for a long time. People were following Russell Westbrook. Now everybody's wearing cool suits and doing crazy things whenever they walk into the arena. But Russ was really the first guy to really embody that. And he did that. So uh, I appreciate the swag he brought to Oklahoma City, uh, I just, like I said, it was just so complicated, his relationship with Oklahoma City and, and what it really was. Because not a fan of the media, and I don't think it was the, the Oklahoma City media per se. I think it was the media. We just got grouped right. in there because, you know, we followed him all over the place. But um, And he wasn't the, the nicest guy or the most... Uh, he didn't have the biggest personality, you know, that smile, that, you know, that joking, that candor, haha. It wasn't there. Not consistently enough. Whenever it was, it was kind of, it was refreshing. Whenever that did come out, it just, you know, f- quite frankly, we're talking about a small percentage of the time. It's sort of like, you know, it, when the small percentage like Russ resisting to take a three point shot, it happened every now and then. You just didn't see it nearly enough like you'd hope. So, um, yeah, very complicated, uh, like Chisholm said. Um, but ultimately, you know, look, there are some people that are going to ride and die Westbrook forever. I get that, right? I, I understand if you're a fan of a team or of a player, you're going to feel a certain way regardless. Um, but, you know, I, I'd say this too. You can, you can appreciate everything he did, but I think everyone from Russ to the team and everyone else realized it was sort of time to move on. Yeah, and 
I had said this in like the dumbest absolute form, and then Brett on your podcast actually said it beautifully. I was like, God, I wish I was as smart as Brett. Um, <laughs> what's so weird about the relationship with Russell Westbrook in Oklahoma City is that they could not be more different if they tried. Right. Russell Westbrook, I mean, Russell Westbrook is so flashy with his with the way he dresses. He wants to be the center of attention anytime he gets the opportunity. He has no interest if you like him. He doesn't care. He wants to be as unlikable as possible at some situations, so you stop talking to him. You look at Oklahoma, we're like the most polite, unassuming group of people that can be in a room in some situations, and we do everything we can to possibly be as nice as, as nice as we can in any situation, and that's just so different. Yet, Oklahomans were just infatuated with Russell Westbrook, and that is such an intriguing relationship because that doesn't make any sense. When you go back and look at like previous stars who have long-lasting relationships with cities, Kobe Bryant, Los Angeles, that makes sense. Isaiah Thomas, Detroit, that makes sense. Russell Westbrook and Oklahoma City, if you just listed their characteristics beside each other, makes no sense. Right. And that's why it's so fun, because he was so different from everything else in the city, or in this state for that matter, yet he was their guy. And I, I just think that's another cool element, because when you look at Russell Westbrook and him going to Paris and doing all the fashion shows, like the guy who lives next door to me growing up in Marlowe, Oklahoma, not going to Paris to fashion shows. like that, like He can't relate to that at all, but he was that guy. He was my neighbor's favorite player because he was he was the Oklahoma guy. It's just interesting that he was so much different than everything culturally here. Uh, Brady, okay, so you put something on your Twitter about uh, the most like meaningful answer that Russell ever gave to you, and it, it's far and few between. But you covered the the team long enough where you got something out of him. What did it take, and what did he say? Yeah, it was. It was, I, I think, when he clinched the triple double this past season. So it was sometime in April or um, March. I can't remember exactly, but uh, I just asked him, like, "Have you ever given yourself a chance to like really take stock of what you've been able to accomplish?" Because, um, like John and I talked about earlier, like n- no one's probably going to do this, let alone one season, three seasons in a row. And he he kind of gave his usual stock answer, but then he looked at me and was like, "At some point, I will, and everybody's going to appreciate it, you know, just like they should." And it was the it was it was a perfect Russell Westbrook answer because it was cocky, it was confident, and it was pretty raw and true because people are going to appreciate this um, at some point. All the talk about how triple doubles don't matter, that they're arbitrary, who cares about them? All we care about is rings and efficiency. This is going to be just lauded years down the road. People are going to look back and say, "I can't believe." Somebody did this. And all the first-round exits, all the not getting a championship, yet that'll be there, but it won't be as close to the surface as it is right now because that's just recent history. Yeah, it, it won't be as loud down the road. And, and one thing I wanted to follow up, Chisholm, you talked about that, about uh, you know Russ and OKC being oil and water, essentially. They were similar in this regard. Russ was always trying to prove everyone wrong. And so are the Absolutely. people of Oklahoma City. Chip on the shoulder thing is very relatable. We have been fighting that fight forever. Whenever I mean, there's some, you know, there's some bodunk whatever guy in Texas making fun of Oklahoma City for trading Russell Westbrook about how we just got dial up or whatever. You know, get get out of here, okay? We have been fighting that battle. That this is, you know, we have paved roads. We don't have covered wagons. I drove a car here. Now, this, now, now John, Texas is back now. Calm down. <laughs> to say, you know, it's a legitimate city. And, you know, just as we're fighting that battle, Russ was always fighting that battle of, you know, he felt like he was disrespected and, and always fighting an uphill battle as well. No, they, they, Russell Westbrook is an all-star. He's one of the greatest players on earth still. He's flawed. And just it's just like the, the market of Oklahoma City. Oklahoma City has a lot of good things going for it, but it's flawed because it doesn't have beaches, it doesn't have Hollywood, it doesn't have anything that attracts big-name celebrities and stars to it. 
And so that marriage, I think, is it goes really well hand in hand with each other. I tried to capture it as, much, as best as I could on it's. I put up a story on the franchiseok.com yesterday. I tried to capture that as best as I could. Just the what Russell Westbrook stood for, you know, the good and some of the bad. I put like a little quip in there about an unfortunate thing that happened between him and me in the locker room this past season. Um, so go check it out on the website. But um, like like I'll say until now, until the end of time, Russell Westbrook. You know, he had his dealings with the media. He has dealings with um, just on the floor in terms of his inefficiency. But he stood for so much more, and that's is that's what is going to age like a fine wine to Oklahomans and to basketball fans over the years. We looked at the past a little bit with Russell Westbrook, and we'll get back into some of the other stuff uh, with guys that have left. But let's look to the future. Brady just came back from Summer League. We all took a look. Who on that Summer League team could actually be a starter by the end of the season? We'll let you know. If you're watching on Twitch, this is a Brady Cam segment. Oh, no. I am not a fan, by the way, because you take up a lot of the screen and just John and I are in this tiny little box. I can't even see John in the box. It's just you. We all need camera time. I'm the man in the box. What's in the box? box. (laughs) Allison Chains. Chosen. Hells yeah. I was doing seven. by By the way, yeah, I know, but Allison Chains is three words. Allison Chains is Allison Chains. Her name it's not Allison. Right. It's Alice in <laughs> that's a Chains. That's a good name for a uh, future daughter of mine. Allison Chains Tranum. That's not bad, actually. <laughs> actually, Mrs. Ramsey's first name, and I know I don't use it that often, is Allison. And Allison Chains. Legally change your name like Chad Ochocinco. Get it done. <laughs> I like it. I like it, Allison Chains. How you doing out there, girl? <laughs> What is some of the There's franchise? 100% someone named Allison Chains. Like, there's just <laughs> no, no, doubt, no doubt. And it's tattooed. They're probably going to Old Paris, opening up their little place right now. Absolutely. And Kelly Gregg is buying something from them. 107 of <laughs> the franchise, 107.9. In Tulsa, Brady, you spent a uh, week out in Vegas. And uh, I don't know what the station paid for because you were never on the air. <laughs> Good Lord, John! I don't know how much you get a chance to to listen. Uh, and Chisholm, I don't know how much you listen. But every time I turned on the damn radio, oh, live from Vegas is Brady. Uh, did somebody poop? I mean, what, what are we doing here? <laughs> no, it was really hard during the middle of the week when the like on Wednesday the Thunder didn't play. So for like Wednesday and Thursday, there wasn't that much to talk about except for hypothetical Russell Westbrook trades. But um, no, overall. Uh, I went into Summer League understanding that, uh, obviously, Paul George had been traded. Um, so the light on Summer League was a little bit brighter than it was previously because, well, now guys like Deontay Burton, Hamadou Diallo, their first-round draft pick who hadn't played basketball for a year in Darius Baisley, uh, and then maybe a Kevin Hervey, uh, maybe a Lou Dort who signed a two-way deal with the Thunder a few weeks ago. Um, the time is now, guys. If you're going to make an impact for this team, the time is now because there are quite a few job openings with the Thunder moving forward. And um, overall, you know, everybody understands the athleticism of Mohamedou Diallo. Everybody understands uh, what he brings to the table in, term of, in terms of his athleticism. The thing for him is going to be, can he um, defend the perimeter without fouling? Can he get his jump shot to work consistently? That's going to be a thing moving forward for him. Deontay Burton, we know what he brings to the table. The guy is a relentless bulldog of an athlete. And uh, I don't know if you guys really got to pay attention to him that much, but he is much thinner. He looks in, like he's in, in incredible shape. And... Um, I asked him in his exit interview last year where the Thunder really see him. They see him as basically a, a four and maybe like their own version of a P.J. Tucker type player. But they threw him out there because of it, 
his athleticism, he's able to guard a lot more shiftier guards, point guards. Uh, they, they threw him out against the point guard against Portland um, right the game uh, that happened during the Russell Westbrook trade. And then, of course, Darius Baisley, who, again, I will say this time and time again, he's got a long way to go. But maybe it's because I went in with zero expectations for him. Like I thought that was unfair to give any expectations for him. But anytime he did something good, it really stuck out to me. He he he's a guy who plays very methodically. He plays very sure of himself. He he never really had moments where he looked like oh this the moment's too big for me, so I'm going to try too hard. Now that first game that I showed up for against the Sixers where he had five fouls and no points. He looked like, okay, it's rusty. And he even said after the game, that, like, yeah, there's a little bit of rust there. But he got better and better. The game slowed down for him. Um, and I'll just say this. The Thunder have something very interesting in Darius Basley that they can wor- um, work with moving forward. Um, and especially since Paul George is gone, you're going to see probably a good healthy dose of Darius Baisley at some point in a Thunder uniform this season. And the one thing that I took away from Baisley from what little I saw, um, imagine there's a new fall TV show right and you watch the cold open the first couple of minutes and you go well that's got some promise yeah. that doesn't mean the show's going to make it for 7 seasons it could get canceled in 13 you don't know but yeah. you you know at least you're like huh well like that that's interesting that he looks a little smooth out there he's got he's got that fadeaway kind of working oh yeah. he seems to have a little bit of a feel can move the basketball pretty well i mean you, you saw like the very raw ingredients of something that that is like you say interesting you just compared Darius Baisley to claws yes it's exactly what I did. Now, By the way, the show clause is awesome. The, the thing about the thing about summer league, at least for me, is when I go into these like trying to check out rookies, I either look are they incredibly athletic to the point where that that alone can get them on the floor, and I think that that really worked well for Hamadou and Deontay. They were so athletic that Billy Donovan was kind of forced to play them early on because they were such spark plugs. It's either that or do they look very sure of themselves and I think you saw a little bit of that with Terrence Ferguson at times when he was a rookie he looked like a guy who wasn't afraid of the moment Darius Baisley kind of has that uh that feel to him where he doesn't look like he's so outmatched whether it's athletically or just um in terms of his mental capacity for the game um like you guys said he's a playmaker first he's he's told us that and from what little we've seen of him in summer league he prefers to move the ball and create for others so uh, that's something that the thunder have always kind of looked for out of that position um especially over the last few years um again the thunder have something in darius Baisley, and uh i think it kind of goes to show you um there's a reason why some good franchises that have a good history of developing players san antonio and utah probably wanted him so um yes he didn't play basketball for a year it's just summer league but I, I came away very intrigued with his game. Chisholm, I'm going to put you on the spot. I'm going to make you the first one to do oh, this gosh. out loud. And I hated this exercise the most. Okay, but here we are. <laughs> yeah, that's exactly why you're going first. Which one of these summer league guys have a chance to be a starter? Yeah, that's a tough question. Uh, there's a lot of guys that I actually do like on this team. Uh, just to vaguely mention Darius Baisley, I didn't know have a ton of expectations for him because there was no tape. And like, I'm just not going to watch Church League tape and try to draw conclusions about his game. Uh he like Michael Shea- Cage was in that one. If you he watch was. closely, <laughs> he was. Shea Gilders Alexander and Darius Baisley kind of go hand in hand a little bit. Where they don't strike me as guys who are going to be thirty point scorers their career. They're going to be the guys who have seventeen points, nine assists, six rebounds. Like they're doing just a little bit of everything constantly, and that's how they impact the game. I like Darius Baisley of what I saw, uh, but as far as someone who's going to start this year, I'm going to go Hamadou Diallo. He started five or six games last year. Uh, and some of that was out of necessity. I think at some point later in the year, this team is going to hit 
a point where they just go, okay, now we're playing the young guys. All the young guys are playing 30 minutes a game. Hami and Shea actually started next to each other in Kentucky for a year. They have some similarities there. Those two guys next to each other is terrifying athletically. Like, my goodness, who knows what that would look like in the NBA. It would be chaotic, but it would be fun. Uh, but he obviously has the experience and the athleticism, and he looked good in summer league. He looked a little bit more under control as far as like when he has the ball in his hands and dribbling and things like that. He didn't look near as chaotic as he did last season. He's just the default answer, and that's kind of chalk. I assume that's who the, the easiest answer to go with there, but he's the only one I can really see maybe starting 15 to 20 games. I, I think it's good for Hami um, moving forward to get a lot of burn early on because I kind of equate his, like, developing his jump shot, developing his perimeter defense, kind of like um, Terrence Ferguson running point guard at Summer League last year where it was going to look bad. It was going to have a lot of moments where it's like, is this ever going to work? That was only going to come, like, the light bulb was only going to going to come on during the season after, you know, weeks of development. It's going to be the same thing with Hamadou Diallo. So the best way to do that is to throw him out there. He Athletically, he can compete. He can stay up there with some of the better players in the league just because he's fast, just because he can jump. He's got all that talent. So you've, you've got to basically just let, like, throw him out there and teach him how to swim. That's the only way it's going to work. So um, there's a lot of job openings on this team, like I said, and the time is now. The opportunity is out there for these young guys to seize it. If you go and look at the stats, you, you have to understand it's very small sample size. Okay, It's five games. Uh, this is really one, if you want to take anything away, you kind of had to watch some of what was happening. Uh, there's still a hitch in that jumper yeah. for Hami. Um, now, I thought there were other times where he looked a lot more fluid uh, getting out and, and driving to the basket or getting out in transition. Looked maybe a little bit more comfortable with the basketball than we saw last year. Uh, but yeah, that jumper has still got a wrinkle in it to, that they got to iron out. Um, I mean, other guys, I mean, Lou Dort, it's like huh. starting. Yeah, that, that dude is very interesting. And I, you know, anytime a player it goes undrafted or in the second round, he's always, he would have been a first rounder if there's always Absolutely. a qualifier. Absolutely. Okay, so the Thunder have one in, in that. I mean, a lot of, there was a lot of people that thought Dort was going to be a late first rounder, early second rounder, went undrafted. They got him on a two way deal that could convert to a full contract before it's all said and like done. Like Deontay Burton did like last Burton, year. Burton, exactly. Um, but Dort, I mean, he was. He's an interesting guy with also an issue with his jumper. Super athletic, just so raw. Kevin so raw. Hervey, I, again, I loved, really, loved Hervey really impressive. League. Probably the most impressive player uh, yeah. of Summer League overall. And look, I, maybe he's the 11th man, 12th man. I mean, he's a guy that I think you can put on the NBA roster at the minimum salary. You can ship him to the G League across the street quite a bit. But he has got kind of an intriguing skill set that they could work into that front court. Okay, I want to get a little dig a little deep into this stuff. And like you said, chalk answers are Hamidou Diallo and Dante Burton and, and all that stuff. I, yes, we all agree with that. But I mean, we, let's get inside on this stuff. Kevin Hurry was a guy uh, that, like you said, I'm incredibly interested in. What the guy is supposed to be able to just score. And Brady, you said it. You said he looked fluid and he looked like he was at a different level at some of these other guys whenever they're playing. Another guy that I'm incredibly Incredibly interested in because I think the Thunder need more point guards is Devin Hall. I think Devin Hall uh, played a pretty good summer league, and uh, I, I don't know how much time he's going to get on the G League. Obviously, he went and played overseas last season. That's why we didn't see a whole bunch of them. But honestly, they moved Chris Paul. If they move Dennis Schroeder, 
Like, Devin Hall's right in the mix, is well, he not? I, I can't remember. Didn't Devin Hall sign a two-year deal um, overseas? Because I remember when he initially signed that deal to go overseas was his agent released a statement saying, like, after two seasons, he expects to be a member of the Thunder. So I don't know if he's... Nece- I mean, now, everything has changed with the roster, so maybe right. that was the philosophy going back Now, then. he did play for the Blue at the end of last season. Yeah. So now, that might have been when the season ended yeah. in Australia. He was able to come back. Uh, but yeah, I mean, it, that has sort of been the Thunder pipeline Right, is, Australia. Yeah, you know, Samaj Kristen did the two years, and then he got the he got the NBA contract for one year, and uh, Dakari Johnson has done that. Maybe Hall's on. Maybe they have that kind of project uh, trajectory in mind. Yeah, and you can go Devin Hall, or you can go Jawan Evans. Jawan Evans is a guy who's played in the NBA before with the Clippers when he was drafted to the Oklahoma State product that everybody remembers around here. Um, he's a guy that. When you remember, and it's kind of the same thing with Kevin Hervey. Dakari Johnson played for the Thunder a handful of games, so I, I like that alone. I, I have more confidence in Kevin Hervey as you know if Nerlens Noel or Stephen Adams, if they're still on the team, uh, if one of them has a rolled ankle one night, I, I could perfectly see Kevin Hervey out there for a, a game or two. Um, Jawan Evans, kind of the same way. Samaj Kristen used to be a backup point guard for the Thunder. The, J- the, <laughs> the, the backup point guard who, who helped Russell Westbrook clinch the triple double record. Um. Yeah, Juwan Evans is a guy that I I can rely on. He he's a guy out there that's he's okay. You know he's not going to do anything flashy. He's not going to do anything completely terrible. He's going to look confident out there, and he's got he's got kind of a half scores mentality, half a ball moving mentality, and that's what you need out of a point guard when you are a team that is currently in the middle of a rebuild mode and currently in the middle of trying to develop young talent. I think Juwan Evans, if if the Thunder's hand is forced where they have to move Dennis Schroeder, um. Uh, Chris Paul, of course. Jawan Evans is a guy I can live with out there. So give me a couple of guys that are just going to be leading scorers for the blue. I mean, we're talking, like you said, uh, John, 12th, you know, 11th, 12th guy going right. back and forth on the two-day contract or the two-team contract, whatever. Yeah, I mean, if, if you're talking about guys that are that are <laughs> potential Thunder roster candidates that are going to spend time across the street, that, Baisley, okay. Hervey. Okay. Uh, probably not. I don't think they'll they'll put Diallo with the blue unless it's like a rehab sort of situation. Yeah. Um. You know. And then Jawan Evans. We we don't know. You know. I, I don't know if he gets a another one of the two way spots. I don't know if he comes into training camp on a non guaranteed deal, um, or he's cut and then gone to the blue. I, that's a possibility. And Dort, I think, is another guy too. Dort, Dort and Hervey are going to lead the blue in shot yeah, attempts. Right. It's not even a question. Yeah. Yeah. I and I, I was Her- very impressed. Hervey's got a good jump shot. Yeah. Yeah. That was and what for I was a guy. Say. A guy with no ACL. Very athletic still. If he wouldn't have had four <laughs> knee injuries, and That's if right. he would have played at Texas, yep. and if he would have got the ball more, he would have been a lottery pick. Absolutely uh, been a lottery pick. And I love the, the playmaking of Dort. I mean, just the, the way the guy moved the ball and, and, and just had a sense of it. There's some guys with IQ. Now, IQ has to meet talent <laughs> to get there. But Hey, and look, in all of this change we're talking about, the next generation of Oklahoma City, I think that's going to be a huge thing. I honestly do. Basketball IQ? Yes, yes, they're always going to be fascinated by the lengthy athletic guys. But when you talk about a guy like Baisley, where, again, you can sort of see the, huh, the sort of percolation of that. When you see uh, Shea Gilgis-Alexander, right. um, if there is a Justice Winslow. Winslow played point guard for Miami a lot last Wait, year. Wait, what, uh, what are you doing right now? He was, he was okay. He was okay. Hold on. He just, he just switched right there. Okay, if there's a Winslow. Well, there wouldn't be a Winslow unless there's a Miami I know. Deal. I, yeah, right. But, again, I'm just <laughs> – I'm using that as an example. John Hamm can see the future. I can. I can. And I'm often wrong. But. 
Thomas Benedict Cumberbatch. But you're saying if there was a deal and Chris Paul isn't your point guard and they did a deal with Miami, Justice Winslow is a guy that you definitely want here. And he has a great basketball IQ. And I think that is going to be something that, again, all the stuff they've been talking about for the past few years, making the extra pass, passing up a good shot for a great shot, cutting to open up something for your teammate. Something I think is going to be a lot more possible moving forward and something they're going to be in the market for. Right now, if you look at the roster, Chisholm, I'll start with you and we'll go counterclockwise here. Uh, Basketball IQ on the team right now. Yeah, John, again, I'm trying to make points and then other people are a lot smarter than I am. First it was Brett Dawson and now it's you. That's what I was trying to say with Shea and Baisley. Like, you look at those two guys, they're not going to be fill-it-up guys. Neither one of those guys at the peak of their career are going to be 25, 28-point-a-game guys. They're not that way. They impact the game, and now obviously totally different positions, totally different body types especially, but they impact the game like Nikola Jokic, where every possession, he might not be the one scoring or getting the assist, but he's affecting every possession. And that's how Shea and Baisley, to me, that's how they fit into this Thunder offense. It almost looks like a pivot from... Yes, the athleticism is great. We want guys who can who are aggressive, who want to put the ball in the basket. To your point, Jerry, like like Dort, but maybe long term, we also want guys who are always going to make the extra pass, are always looking to play make for others, who are also athletic. So maybe the next iteration of the Thunder team isn't two guys who score thirty points a game. Maybe it's a little bit more of the Denver model, where it's we have seven guys who score twelve points a game. Try to stop all of them instead of stopping one or two guys. It looks in small sample size with just Shea Gildress and Baisley, but it looks like a small pivot where suddenly IQ and style of play is way more important than your scoring ability, which was what they you know they sought after last time. But again, th- these are things that OKC's been talking about for years, and that started with we want this out of our four position, which Serge Ibaka really couldn't give them right. Right, and that sort of started the pivot there. There were things with Russ that they wanted him to do that he just. So they said nope. We need Chris Paul. And uh, for the moment, before he goes to Brady's favorite team. (laughs) Okay, so let's look at the guys on our roster real quick. And and once again, Brady, you saw them firsthand with all four of your eyes. (laughs) I see what I did there. Ah, He's wearing glasses, everyone. That doesn't translate to radio. (laughs) Russell Westbrook. I'm a mutant. Was at his base, uh, especially when he was young, an athletic freak. The guy was just powerful, uh, could jump out of the building and do whatever. He learned his basketball skills as he went along. Who is that dude for the Thunder right now? Oh, like a nuclear athlete? Just, right? There's always been that guy. Obviously, uh, Hummie wins the dunk contest or whatever. Terrence Ferguson is a guy who absolutely could probably enter and uh, compete in a dunk contest. Deontay Burton was a guy who they've been showing on NBA TV Twitter. Yeah. about his uh, pregame dunks. I mean, the Thunder are going to have... They have a plethora of guys that are athletic. Now, are they as assertive as Russell Westbrook? That's that's what helped Russell Westbrook become such a great player is not only just the nuclear athleticism, was just his determination and assertiveness to showcase it. Uh, Terrence is athletic. I don't necessarily know if he has that assert- assertiveness to his game. I don't know if he ever will. Hami kind of does. Deontay Burton definitely does. That is how he makes his way in the NBA is because... He's not shy. When he gets the ball, if he's at the top key, he's open, he's going to let that thing fly. And it, I mean, he, what was he, a 33, 32% three point shooter last year? I mean, that, that'll, that'll come, that'll improve because he's got a good fluid jump shot. It's just going to be a matter of repetition. But also, he is not shy when he has to put the ball on the floor and head to the rim. I mean, he is a tank. And even though he's lost about, um, I talked to him about this over summer league. He's lost about 20, 25 pounds, and he looks inc- like he's in incredible shape, but he still has not lost his physicality, still n- has not lost his fearlessness. And if he's able to corral that 
and build up on the fundamentals of his game to become a better basketball player, the Thunder will still have, you know, this is like Chisholm said, Thunder fans are in for quite a culture shock with the way the team is going to play, not just because Russell Westbrook is simply gone, but with the way the Thunder want to play, they're in for a culture shock. Deontay Burton is going to kind of be a good little bridge if he still is able to make an impact on the Thunder. He's going to be a good little bridge from the Russell Westbrook era to the new era of Thunder basketball. Yeah, a small little note on Deontay Burton, and I, I, it's very small. Guy's the same age as Steven Adams, and he's going into his second year yeah. in the NBA. I, there's a part of me that knows that like he obviously is super athletic and shows some promise. It wouldn't shock me if, because his trade value probably 30 games of the year is going to be as high as it's ever going to be, because he's going to have some flashy moments. Yep. Yeah. It wouldn't shock me if he's not on the roster at the end of the year. If they if they cash him in for a little something extra because at 25 years old, like Deontay Burton more than likely is kind of what he is. Like he's he's going to add a few things, but the upside that Hamid Diallo has at 20 or Shea Gilders has at freshly 21 as of yesterday is different than what a 25-year-old in his second year has. And this is something to consider that he's a lot older than these other guys that we're talking about. I assume everyone will be traded at some point. One seven seven the franchise. I have no heart left. One zero seven nine in Tulsa. It is the franchise under Insider Show. John Hamm, Brittany Trentham, Chisholm Holland, uh, Jerry Ramsey. Listen, we're going to get a ton of stuff. One guy we haven't talked about, Stephen Adams. I believe that this guy is the face of the franchise. We'll talk about that. Plus. Everybody's talking about the rebuild. There's one person in particular that I'm curious. Is he going to be around for the rebuild? We'll talk about all that when we get back. The Franchise Thunder Insider Show, hour number two. Sounds fun. (laughs) Number two. Now, who's just number one? Who's just number one? <laughs> yes. I am TV's Jerry. This is the Franchise Thunder Insider Show. Uh, that was the uh, docile sounds of John Ham. John, thanks for bringing us in on here. Like you said, hour two. Uh, this also is going to serve as the uh, OKC82 podcast. Uh, you can listen to that anywhere that you listen to podcasts. I like to listen to them uh, on my little uh, telephone that has a jack that you can put the earphones in. Yeah. It's got a rotary dial. <laughs> that was the way you could have possibly said that. <laughs> you were making fun of me because I was, I'm, I just started on the gram. A mobile phone. And so I was have, I had Brady help me out with putting something on my story that's the, on the gram. The the not knowing how to use Instagram thing was funny. The You were so obsessed with Instagram that you forgot to go to the bathroom was yeah. way funnier. <laughs> are you? Are you trying? Are you trying to be a social media influencer? I, am I not? I thought I was. <laughs> am I not an influencer? Am I not influencing things? I, I forgot. Sw- well, obviously I am. I talked to John over the break. Uh, I'm a huge influence, and I'll let you guys know also. So, what do what do IG models or Twitter models do when Twitter or Instagram is down for an hour? Are they just like running into a wall because they don't know what to do with their lives? Do they go down also? I don't know. <laughs> Whoa. <laughs> Stephen Adams now is the uh, face. Of the Oklahoma City Thunder. For now. Uh, <laughs> I think. Gosh, John. This. <laughs> I think. John is ready to burn it down. <laughs> he, D- to the studs. <laughs> DFL. Uh, John and I are on the same page here. DFL. I want the roster to look like the Cleveland Indians in 1989 in the movie Major League. 
Like, I think this guy is dead. It's Tom Berger. <laughs> it's Tom Berger in Mexico somewhere. Call him up. Mark. Well, then take him off the list. Honestly. Isn't that funny that Wesley Snipes is actually, like, have you guys heard that he's not fast at all? Or he's not athletic? <laughs> like, they had to do so many cuts of him. What well, would they, they would just do uh, slow motion special effects now, wouldn't they? Right. Yeah. yeah. Um, but no, you you joke about uh, you know the guy getting called up from Mexico. I mean, we've hit up Australia a couple of times now, and interns. Deontay Burton forgot Terrence Ferguson played it um, in Australia. <laughs> like an NBL reporter asked him about like Australian uh, basketball players, and he didn't mention Terrence. And we told him like, "Oh, your teammate did." And he was like, "Oh, dang it! <laughs> Don't tell him." <laughs> so, but Stephen Adams right now, I think, is the safest piece. In all this, because I think Oklahoma City needs somebody to put on the billboard, okay? And Stephen Adams, whenever you say, oh, his contract, he was overpaid, he was, he's terrible, look at the con- uh, contract. Anyway, we've heard that over the last couple of years. This is what you're paying Stephen Adams for. You shipped out Paul George, you shipped out Russell Westbrook, you still have a viable, sellable face that's going to put butts in the seats in Oklahoma City on just the mere fact of his charisma and personality alone. Yeah, I mean, that's a lot of it, and I think as your public-facing, um, you know, most public guy that represents your team, um, I, there's a lot of value, I think, in keeping Steven Adams around, like you say, for all of those reasons. On the court, if you are trying to uh, reset the culture, Steven Adams is your guy. Who cares less about his stats than Steven Adams? This dude boxed out for Russell Westbrook for the last three years so he could get the rebound, right? Steven Adams could average 15 boards a game next year, potentially. Um, I, I do think that he is he's that guy that could help the the 2.0 version of the Thunder. Maybe it's a 3.0, I don't know. But anyway, he could help that version. And like you say, he could uh, he can continue to endear some goodwill uh, because he is he's a, a great spokesman, basically, because people, people like him. Okay, so we know that Stephen Adams is going to be the face, Brady. You're going to be in the locker room. You and Madison are going to be in there a ton. Who's who's number two? Who's number two work for? <laughs> um, I mean, it has to be Shea. He's the point. He's the he's the point guard of the future. If the Thunder are going to become Thunder 3.0, as John says, and be a playoff contender a few years down the road, and be in contention for championships, it has to be because Shea. Um, has developed it's because the Thunder have put him in positions to become that guy and while Steven Adams can probably take control of the of the locker room maybe in the short term as a leader as a vocal leader as a mental leader um, basically letting everybody like his personality his mentality of the game of basketball rub off on the rest of these young players well Shea has to take that he has to take that flag and run with it at some point whether that's two years down the road three years down the road it has to be Shea um, if it's not then the Thunder's future is a little bit in flux at that point, and then they're going to be relying on guys who we just talked about to make a leap that maybe they're not capable of making, or a, a draft pick down the road, which Presti has quite a bit of those, but they have a guy in Shea who I, I loved as a rookie, um, who I think it's safe at this point to say that he's going to be an all-star type player. If, uh, like God willing, if he's healthy, if the Thunder put him in positions to succeed, I think that it's I think it's fair to say that based off his athleticism, the way that he plays and his just his physique, he's going to be an all-star level player at some point in his career. Chisholm, are you okay with Steven as being the face of the franchise and is the next great face in eighth grade right now? 
Uh, maybe. Uh, maybe in eighth grade. Maybe it's uh, Lamella, who's in Australia. We're no. not entirely sure. Oh. All the pieces fit. All the no. pieces fit. <laughs> um, besides, so I agree with everything you're saying about Steven Adams. Uh, the charisma, the leadership, and to John's point, the fact that he doesn't even know what a box score is, is all positives of why he should be around here. I think Steven is, congratulations, the next incumbent for the Nick Collison Award. I think he's going to be here as long as he wants to be. He went from the most trade, the player most likely to be traded to the player the least likely to be traded in just a few weeks. It's an incredible job by Steven. He did nothing. Um, <laughs> the other guy that I think is getting a little undersold, who I could maybe see being a long-term piece for this team, Andre Robertson. Like, I, obviously, right now, he's an easy guy to say that they should trade for salary cap reasons. I think they're close enough where Patrick Patterson obviously gets them under, and Patrick feels yeah. way less a part of the culture. Andre Robertson is a guy who, in exit interviews, Sam talked about, was leading video sessions with younger players like Terrence Ferguson and going over defensive strategy and going over film tips. And how to, here's how you guard this guy. Here's how you watch this film. Kind of like Tabo Cephalosha did during the Thunder U years. Um, so... I can see Andre because next summer when his contract comes up, unless he just blows us out of the water this year, which I'm a little skeptical of, I don't know if there's going to be a huge market for Andre Robertson. So maybe he sticks around here in Oklahoma City for a few years and kind of is the defensive coach, the defensive assistant coach who happens to wear a jersey during the games. He feels like a guy who, because he culture-wise, has been great for Oklahoma City. Yeah. He's never had any issues. He's been a positive influence in the locker room. Maybe him and Steven kind of code-lead this team as the quote-unquote veterans. That, that's interesting. Uh, I'll ask you this, John, um, uh, with Steven Adams. Is is he now considered overpaid? Um, look, I mean, his contract... Uh, his, it is what it is. Yes. His level of play did yes. not meet the, the production, okay? Let's just and if, you know label that however you want. If you want to scream up and down overpaid, and look, I, I have no doubt that that may have been a uh, at least a factor in, in how do you improve the roster throughout the year because you have a guy that's probably you know making several million dollars more than his actual production. Um, you know, yes, there's a lot of things we, we harp on this that he does that helps you win basketball games and all that. Now I think it kind of levels out. And the other thing I've brought up, too, there is is a salary floor that a team has to meet. So, you know, they don't have to dump Steven <laughs> Adams just to save money. They've got to pay someone anyway. Why not Steven? Right. And if you look at this roster right now, who would you rather allocate that money for? Well, eventually you're going to have to pay Shea to stick around in Oklahoma City. That's in three years. Steven Adams' contract. Oh, three more years. Like, it works out time-wise because there's where else are you going to allocate that money where it feels worth it? Steven overpaid based off production. But he has a role on this team. You're going to have to spend the money anyway. And it's not like at the end of this contract, it's going to hamper you from bringing back Shea Gilders Alexander or one of these future thousand draft picks that they have. That money's not going to get spent. So you might as well give it to a guy who's good for the locker room, good for the culture. And I, I think, you know, Steven is a guy who wants to win. And he, he's a guy who wants to compete for championships. He doesn't necessarily want to be a part of a rebuild. So it kind of makes sense. Like, here's the money. Just, just bear with us for a year or so. 1077 The Franchise, 1079 in Tulsa. When we get back, I want to talk about Sam Presti's commitment to Oklahoma City. Everybody takes for granted that he's going to rebuild. What is his incentives for rebuilding? We'll talk about that when we get back. I agree with the, with the big voice guy said. You should listen to the franchise players, the Gabe Eichert, Kelly Gregg, and Jerry Ramsey. Weekdays, 12 to 3. Every so often, it's Eddie Radosevich, Matt Burton, and Chisholm Holland. Weekdays, 12 to 3. And... and uh, Sometimes it is Matt Burton, Eddie Radosovich, John Hamm. Go back, uh, go back in time if you got that DeLorean and catch that magic from yesterday. John, I think you and I should be on that promo. How did we not make the cut? No kidding. I, do you really want to know how you didn't make the cut? I mean, come on. 
Who do you think writes those things? <laughs> Why do you think I'm last? Why do you think I get all the premiere stuff? Good you think, call. You think Gelly? Uh, Ke- Gelly? Gelly? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's them combined. You think Kelly and Gabe write any of that stuff? No, it's me. I feel like such a Jeremy Grant right now. <laughs> when you going to be traded? Yeah, I think I am. <laughs> any second now? Yeah. <laughs> uh, I thought you were going to say you were a mile high. <laughs> okay. Here's what I have to say about the rebuild right now. Everybody's in rebuild mode. I'll be honest with you, and I just kind of explained it to another guy that works around here. It's like a, uh, a marriage uh, that has split, and they've agreed to go their, their separate ways. They split the albums and the furniture, and, and everybody is happy with the, with the split and the divorce with Russell and the Oklahoma City Thunder. And everybody's on board. Okay, here we go again. You know, Presti is going to do it again. He's going to build this team back to like he did back whenever he had Durant and Westbrook and Harden and Ibaka and all that stuff. Guys, that was like 10 years ago. What incentive does Sam Presti have to do this again? He's married. He has kids. He's older. He's, he's seen all the free agents. He saw it break bad. Don't think his heart wasn't broken with the Kevin Durant decision. Just like Oklahoma City, he wore it on his sweater sleeve. Okay? In July. That's right. You don't think that he had this great vision of what Paul George and Westbrook could do? Not only to be disappointed with their play on the court, but then Paul George in the middle of a damn contract, breaking the whole thing up in front of him, and having to be the guy. He is the guy who traded James Harden, who traded Russell Westbrook, and who lost Kevin Durant in free agency by just trusting him. He is that guy. If I am Sam Presti, I am taking my little monies that I got in Oklahoma City, I am heading to a beach, and I'm not getting near basketball for another couple of years until somebody offers me so much money it's stupid for me to turn it down. You just described being in the sport of basketball. Guys get traded. Guys leave as free agents. Guys feel like they're they're going to go one direction and then something else happens. Teams make one direction and then suddenly decide to go a different one and the player gets left in the dust. That's life in this business, bro. Yes, but he's had a decade of it. And honestly, he's right back to where he started whenever they moved from Seattle to Oklahoma City. He's right back there. The it, Its similarities are eerie. Nick Collison was the highest paid Sonic whenever they moved. That's right, over Kevin Durant, over Russell Westbrook. He was the highest-paid Sonic. Rookie, Ka- rookie scale. I know, kind of like Steven Adams is, the highest-paid Thunder right now, to guys that you hope surpass him in talent. But he's it's right back in the season. He's like Bill Murray and Groundhog Day. I thought um, Howard Beck was on Zach Lowe's podcast. It, this, this happened in between Paul George's trade and Russell Westbrook's trade. So it was like the Russ thing was kind of up in the air. But I think Howard Beck said it best. Like GMs at their core, they're, they're builders. And I have to think that Presti, of course, was shocked and bummed that Paul George asked for a trade. But I'm sure his brain then immediately thought, I could potentially get X, Y, and Z for Paul George, and then that will have to force me to have to trade Russell Westbrook, so then I won't be the bad guy for trading the guy that everybody in Oklahoma loves. Um, I can go back to square one and do what naturally GMs want to do, and that's build teams, because maintaining championship-level rosters comes with its own um, expectations, its own um, challenges, and challenges that even a guy like Sam Presti, who has a plan for about every single scenario that you could possibly think of, he probably had a plan that Kevin Durant could walk, but it's something that you can't even fathom. You can't even think about Kevin Durant walking, because in that way, you kind of have a defeatist mindset, and who knows how that rubs off on Kevin Durant, how that rubs off on the organization. So, like, the point, Presti is probably more excited for this than having to deal with the expectations 
of having Russ Westbrook and Paul George on the roster because then what what do you have to do at that point? You have to go get Wes Matthews. You have to go get Wayne Ellington. Well, guess what? You can you can have the money. You can have the the roster, and it, all it is just come here and we can be a championship level team. They have to want to come here at the same time, and that comes with a challenge that you can't you can't really do. You can only do so much for in that situation. Chisholm, we've heard from John. We've heard from Brady. You agree with me, right? If you're Sam Presti, you're packing up the kids and you're headed to you're headed to South Beach. Tell Chris Paul to go with Russell Westbrook. You want to go live South Beach for a little bit. Yeah, I actually am going to split the middle ground here, which I, I don't know if that was the intention of this. I, th- I agree with Brady. I think every GM kind of wants to do a rebuild because it's where they get to pick Everything. Floor to the roof. Every piece of it is their hand doing. They selected every single player. They brought in every single guy. They did everything. every single draft evaluation. It's all their guys. And while the team might be worse, I think general managers generally like that concept. Here's what I will say. I don't know if there's a guy in this league that you'd rather be a part of this, to be in charge of this rebuild, as far as drafting the players, doing the trades, finding value where other people don't. It's really like Sam Presti 1A, Danny Ainge, 1B. Like, I, that would probably, Sam Hinkie, 1C. Sam Hinkie, 1C. Those, Marlo, Oklahoma, Sam Hinkie. Yes. That is, uh, <laughs> those are my guys. And so, as far as the rebuild process in these next four or five years, it's the top, he, he would be one of the top choices for just about every single franchise. Here would be my, my caveat. If you wanted to make the argument that once that's done, they have the team, they have the young guys, they have the superstars, they're going back to the 2009, 2010, 2011 Thunder. <coughs> Excuse me. They're on that trajectory. I think Sam Presti might have shown that maybe he's not the guy to cash in the check, and there's nothing wrong with that. General managing a franchise is the same as any other job. There's a whole bunch of different parts of it, and you're going to be really good at some, and maybe some you're not the best. I think if you wanted to make a case that when the Thunder get to that position again, Maybe someone else needs to be the lead recruitment. Maybe Magic Johnson isn't the guy to help go through your draft process and evaluate the talent, figure out which young guys are going to be good in five years. But maybe Magic Johnson is the best guy when you're a championship team to bring in the free agents on the minimum deals to try to win a championship. Maybe Magic Johnson's a great recruiter. My point is, you can be a bad general manager in some parts of it and a great general manager in other. And I would say, for the job description, Sam Presti is a great general manager for like 95% of it. Okay, but I think if you want to make the argument that when you're the championship team, maybe Sam's not the guy to be able to push you over the top because he can't do the recruiting, or maybe that's not the problem. Maybe he's not the guy who wants to, who feels comfortable going all in and sacrificing long-term health. I'm not sure, but he had a few years here to really prove that narrative wrong, and he didn't. And some of that might be unjustified, but if Thunder fans out there feel like when that time comes around in five or six years that he's not the guy, I think that's fair. Okay, you homers. Uh, and every single one of you, not me, of course, because I'm objective. I just said to fire him in five years. Five years for clarity. <laughs> All right, you homers. Did this last 10 years work? Were the Oklahoma City Thunder successful? Yes. Yes. They, By Sam Presti's definition, absolutely. One team wins champ, uh, the championship at the end They of the year. didn't win one championship with okay. one, two, three Hall of Famers, three MVPs. That's a bummer. And a ton of that. They didn't win one. I don't know if you guys pay attention to ESPN or not. I love the channel. Uh, they have a lot of guys on there that say a lot of really fun and interesting things. And a bunch of them... You, you misspelled are, dumb. <laughs> a bunch of them are saying that this did not work for Sam Presti. He did not win a championship. There's going to be a 30 for 30. We all know there's going to be... I, 
and no championships came out of this group that he dra- that he drafted, picked, and put together. The pieces like a Derek Fisher, the pieces like a Karan Butler, like a Carmelo Anthony, they didn't work. And to Chisholm's point, yeah, hey, maybe this guy is great at picking. And by the way, he's not, I'm having, how many top tens is he going to get? How many top fives is he going to get? There's no guarantee to any of that. If he's picking back where he was picking when he picked Perry Jones, is this the guy that you want to rebuild? And like I said, does Sam even want to deal with it anymore? I, I love how whenever you talk about this, people always have to focus on, oh, Derek Fisher, haha, Randy Foy, haha, Karan Butler. No one mentions Ennis Cantor. Has anyone mentioned Ennis Cantor? Billy Donovan did. said he couldn't play him. The Thunder turned his <laughs> career right around. Ennis Cantor has mentioned Ennis Cantor. Has anyone mentioned Deion Waiters? It's a great pickup. Deion Waiters. Hopefully we get him again. When this team was peaking, when this team was was up 3-1 against Golden State, it was largely because, yes, Kevin Durant, Russell Westbrook, Serge Ibaka. It was also Steven Adams. It was also Ennis Cantor. It was also Deion Waiters. It was also Andre Robertson. Okay, so we get so focused. We do this all the time, and it drives me crazy. This one thing didn't meet my expectations, so I'm going to hyper-focus on those things that are funny. I'm going to hyper-focus on those little things that didn't work, and this is my proof that it did not work. Ha-ha, he drafted Cameron Payne. It drives me insane. There has been 11 years of winning basketball in Oklahoma City. How many memories do the Charlotte Hornets fans have of the past 10 years? How many memories do Orlando Magic fans have over the past 10 years? A lot of lottery balls. What can we, we could spend four hours, Jerry, talking about last season. And OKC, much less the past eleven. It just it just drives me up a wall. You forgot Mitch McGarry and all that, by the way. <laughs> if you if you're gonna sit here in Oklahoma and say that yes, the Thunder were not successful because they didn't win a championship, well then uh you also believe that Lincoln Riley isn't a good coach because he had Kyler Murray and Baker Mayfield didn't win anything outside yeah, of a big twelve championship. True. Or um Bob Stoops out um after two thousand wasn't good either because he, he didn't win a championship either. So you success is success. Now, the pinnacle of success, that's a different story. Obviously, the Thunder didn't get there, but they had success, and they they built a foundation of success that the Thunder can build off of and move forward with. Without that, who knows where this franchise is today? And, of course, a lot of that was the fortune of being able to get Kevin Durant in the draft, um, taking a flyer on Russell Westbrook, who a lot of people, including myself at the time, thought was a reach, and even James Harden, who people weren't really that enamored with um, when he was drafted. A lot of this is fortune and luck, but Presti has a track record. And for those that want to say, that, well, what if those picks are in the 20s? Like, he's kind of hit or miss there. Every single GM is a hit or miss <laughs> in the 20s. Please draw me a picture of a GM who consistently drafts all-stars in the 20s. But if you're going to give up your two superstars and your one Mount Rushmore, and I know you hate Mount Rushmore, but if you've ever gone there, it's beautiful. The uh, Mount R- R- Rushmore is awesome. If you, uh, yes, if you're trading those guys away for these mid-20s picks for the next five years, you, you missed it, bro. You screwed it. Wait, which guys are you referring to? I'm talking again? about Paul George and Russell Westbrook, where he got the bevy of picks. Well, see, that, but if they're all a bevy of 15 to 25, number 15 and number I, 25, that's the other you screwed thing. it. That's the other thing. I love how people already know where those picks are going to land in seven years. It, yeah, it's silly. <laughs> we, we thought the Heat were going to run the league for 10 years. They did it for four. The Warriors for 10 years. They did it for three. Right. Um, the thing where I'll disagree with you, Chisholm, um, yes, Sam Presti, when that time came, it didn't work out. 
The Thunder had an opportunity to win championships at a certain point, and they didn't do it. But the thing that is outside of Sam Presti's control is Kevin Durant had a personality that was not like Tim Duncan's. Once you get to that point, you're kind of depending on guys to follow a path that you've set for them, and all they can do is make their own decision. Kevin Durant made his decision, and it directly affected the Thunder's championship window um, thereafter. So if if Presti is able to draft some more all-star level players, rebuild the Thunder, he's going to have to depend on that again because the Thunder have no choice. This is Oklahoma City. San Antonio had no choice. Luckily for them, Tim Duncan decided to take pay cuts. Manu Ginobili um, wanted to come off the bench and never wanted to start. Tony Parker, the same thing uh, with a pay cut. Um, you've got to depend on that when you are a small market, and that's not really Sam Presti's fault. Whoever else is, if there's another GM, he will have to take a similar approach if it ever gets to that point again. And finally, my last piece on Sam Presti that just annoys the hell out of me, we are the Franchise Thunder Insiders show. Uh, we follow... That annoys the hell out of you? Re- well, that does. That, <laughs> that We're the group, uh, along with a bunch of other people, too. Uh, but, okay, so we all follow the, the Thunder. We all read everything, look into everything, turn over every stone. Uh, what's Sam Presti's contract look like, John? Really good question. I, I hear rumors out there, but <laughs> I have no idea. Um, I did hear on Ryan Russillo's podcast, which also came before the um, Russell Westbrook trade during the week, and uh, Chisholm said it really perfectly um, at the break. Um, he said it so casually that it has to, so matter of fact, that it, it's probably true. But he said that on his podcast that I heard that Presti's deal got renewed. I don't know if it's out there, but I'm pretty sure that it's that it's true. So Sam Presti, I think he, he said, "I'm pretty sure that's out there." Hmm. He not not that it was true. He's like, "I'm pretty sure people have reported that." So he just like moved on, and yeah. you're like, "Oh wait, <laughs> one more time." No, no, I work in Oklahoma City, and I work in the media. No one has reported that. No, and, go ahead. And, and as we all know, uh, contracts are ironclad. <laughs> exactly. Can't get out of them. And then, listen, that's my point, though. Like, if if everything's going to change, can we change some stuff, please? Can we change some stuff? Can we get the Oklahoma City Thunder to open up just a little bit? The logo? Right? Okay. The logo, the color scheme. I can get behind that. I'm more worried yeah. about getting more interaction with the players and the organization. Oh, you that, guys want different colors. That is yeah. probably on the horizon. Jerry, I, I, I do want you to go into some of this because I think it's valid. Okay, 107.7 The Franchise, 107.9 in Tulsa. Let's talk about the culture change. We'll talk about Paul George's legacy, and we'll talk about Russ's fit in Houston. Everybody wants to know, two ball hogs? How's that going to work? You're listening to the Franchise Thunder Insider Show on 107.7 The Franchise, 107.9 in Tulsa. One zero seven seven, the franchise. One zero seven nine in Tulsa. Franchise Center Insider Show. Jerry Ramsey, Brady Trantham, Chisholm Holland, and the lovable and adorable John Ham. Who, John? I'm, A little feisty in that last segment. I well, I, I, listen. You want to know what's happening with him? And I'm sort of disappointed. Last time we talked, you were bald. Like you got it all shaved <laughs> off. You and I were on the same ground. Well, his was n- not natural. Exactly. I mean, he he, sh- he should have got the rust braids. He wasn't. It, it I, wasn't uh, a thing. This is. It's been like a couple of weeks since that haircut. I've got like an afro now. Okay. So so <laughs> to your, get another haircut. To your point, Chisholm, the testosterone was really coming out because oh, you're still growing hair. Oh man. Yeah, you still. I'm have sorry. All that. I didn't. My bad. No, I'm no, sorry. No, no, no. I, I honestly. Uh, that I was I was going up against the Twitter troll. 
I was going against the 12 year old uh, on his mom's computer <laughs> that was just hammering out whatever. I mean, that's so wait, you assume trolls are 12. See, I always assume trolls are like 55. Well, I, I think there is. I, there's like a healthy gap where you're okay. like, yeah, I, I'm smart enough not to do that. And then there's the I just got my first AOL account. Yeah. You know, 55 year old. And then there's, yeah. They can be 46 also. Um, <laughs> anyway, anyway, so we were kind of getting into the Thunder, and it is. It's going to be a cult. It's supposed, it's supposed supposed to be a culture change although how the hell do you change the culture when you have the same gm the same uh head coach and the same philosophies in place shroud of secrecy my friends and i started to talk about it when i talked about Presti's contract it has never been on the books it's never well it's never been to the public or just it's been rumored i, I actually put that out there on twitter last night i was like we're going to talk about whether Presti should stay or go or what his uh why you know why he'd want to stay and somebody said oh you know it's been well reported that his contract's out there go find it bro go google you're not going to find it like you said Rosillo said it in passing uh, also, other things that uh, the Oklahoma State Thunder do, and Brady, you and Madison go out and cover like almost every single one of these. Uh, you know, Stephen Adams in a butterfly field, or how many do do out Diallo is uh, planting a garden, or you know, <laughs> stuff like that. They do little things like that, but as far as getting guys on the radio, getting face recognition, you don't have superstars anymore. You got guys that you're going to have to sort of put out there and let the public know. Who is who? And John, you you kind of agree with me. You, there needs to be a philosophy change on how they approach the public with their players. Yeah, I mean, that's the thing. I mean, one of the selling points, again, of the Thunder organization is sort of, we'll take care of you as a player, whether that is from a nutritional standpoint, from a training standpoint, you know, for, from everything that is not, uh, that doesn't violate the collective bargaining agreement, they'll take care of guys. And then another one is just frankly is, you're not going to have to do a bunch of stuff you don't want to do. And as a matter of fact, there's a lot of things we really don't want you to do. We don't want to create, we would, we don't want to risk creating controversy. Okay. If Hamadou Diallo slips up on the air and says, well, yeah, I'd like to get more minutes. And then boom, everyone starts talking about that instead. I, I understand a little bit of the reasoning behind it, but Jerry, I think you could get by with that when you had the megastars that have been here. But if you're going to want to sell those tickets whether if, if you want to get butts in the building, I think you're going to have to let fans know who are you actually clapping for? Like, can I put a can I put a face to that number on the floor down there? And, you know, th- that is something I would I would highly recommend. This organization has shown they are willing to change in some regards. I think this is another area that they're going to have to have a hard look at as well. Yeah, I've always been curious, um, and we're probably never going to know this unless something actually happens in the future. But, you know, when you think about Kevin Durant um, before, Never really did anything outside of like Nike promotional stuff, maybe the occasional one-on-one with somebody, whether it be national or local. Um, after, he jumped on every single podcast. He jumped on every single little outlet to basically, you know, have fun. Like, he obviously was a personality that wanted to do things like that. And I've always wondered if the Thunder maybe corralled that into an extent. Maybe Kevin wanted to do stuff like that, but the Thunder were like, eh, no, you don't want to. Maybe because they knew Kevin Durant better than the entire world sure. knew at that point. So that's fair to say. But I'm, I'm curious if they're going to have less of a leash. Like, if there's a player, like maybe Deontay Burton wants to go on somebody's podcast. Maybe he's just kind of into that sort of thing. Whereas in the past, they would say, no, don't do that. But now, because there's going to be a need to try and like basically sell the players because they're relying on young young faces, um, they're relying on guys that haven't been drafted yet. Maybe they're, they'll be willing to take that step now and basically throw their players out into the stratosphere. 
Real quick, and I just want to talk about uh, over the last, what, month and a half. You remember we had Patrick Patterson on? And it was a huge deal. Yeah. Like, I'm not kidding. We thought it was a huge deal that Patrick Patterson came on to talk about, you know, his uh, whatever he wanted to do with that movie that was coming out at the Dead Center or whatever. And he is, and we've had him on a couple, we've talked to him a couple of times uh, in Media Day. And the guy is a great personality and has more interest than just basketball. And I, I thought that that was a lot of fun whenever we could have that guy on. I know that there's guys on this team that are like that. And listen. I don't think that every single guy has anything to like has something to contribute. There are dudes on here that just get up, work out, go play basketball, and are that boring. I've met former athletes, <laughs> and some of them get jobs. But the point is, there's guys. It's just like regular life. There's duds and there's cool people, and I think the Oklahoma City Thunder really need to uh, start to cultivate some of the cool guys that they have and put them in positions so that they look like a team of the community again, because damn it, that's where they're at. They have one right now. Steven Adams is a cool guy. Get him right. on here. All right, community is what you talked about. We're part of the community. It's a, You don't have to walk very far into Chesapeake Energy Arena without finding some banner about community. Well, these guys are part of the community, at least for eight months, nine months of the year. So yeah, I mean again, it's you, you've got a you've got a product you're trying to sell, and you know I you, you can only sell Thunder basketball so much. Like I say, if you're a fan that's wanting to go and sit in the 300 section, you want to know who that number 22 is. That would really go a long ways if you could say, oh yeah, uh, I heard him on this, that, or the other. I I read this written about him, and cool. I I kind of support this guy uh, because he's actually able to get his voice out there. Yeah, and it's all about culture and about public perception. In a lot of ways, there's people like us who could rattle off the 15-man or the 16-man roster when the season starts. And those people exist. And there's a lot of them who are listening to this this show right now, because if you're listening on a Saturday morning to a basketball show, clearly you're a fan. So like you, they you know got, about Lou Dort. Yeah, they know about Lou Dort. <laughs> they heard about Kevin Hervey's jump shot. Um, <laughs> so those people exist. But there's also people like my mom. And my mom watches all the Thunder games. But outside of like the top like three or four players, a little lost. Like if you gave her a chance, she could probably get there on a few of them, but she'd have to really think about it. And she would guess players who got traded three years ago, and she didn't know. And I think and some part of this is because my mom, but the other part is because there's nothing about these people. Like there's just nothing. And like I, I wonder how much of that is the players. Like when they go into the room, they go, "Okay, who wants to do media?" I think Russell Westbrook's hand never went up ever, you know. And I, like I he think, was slapping other hands down. Absolutely. So maybe when they get these other kids in there, and maybe like Deontay Burton and Hamid Diallo will enjoy those kind of things. I'm not sure. But the thing that stood out the most to me recently was when we did exit interviews. Some of those guys weren't very good, and they were young kids who haven't done a ton of interviews, and they were kind of awkward. Jeremy Grant being one, which kind of shocked me, but just super awkward. He's just quiet. He's but then you have guys like Raymond Felton who come out and are just so well spoken. And just give such great answers. Didn't say anything controversial. Because you can tell he's been through a whole bunch of interviews. And I'm like, why is this guy not doing interviews all the time? Like, why? He is so freaking likable. And he gives great answers. And he's thoughtful. And he kind of resonates with the culture because he's from Texas. And then Steven Adams, obviously, is a fan favorite. But we get nothing from these people. And I feel like that's just such a missed opportunity. Because it doesn't have to be the superstars who come out and talk. I think if just likable Thunder players who people can relate to come out and do stuff that would mean so much and people will be able to know and then my mother would know who Raymond Felton is. By the way I want to agree with Sam Mays on something too. You whoa, said, whoa 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 whoa. Well, because you were talking about how your mother is just like an everyday fan or whatever. No your mother is not an everyday anything. Your mother is top okay. notch. Appreciate it. Okay. <laughs> I've met your mom. 
that, that re- this actually kind of reminds me. Shout How out does to- my mother being attractive remind you of anything? <laughs> I did. I just said your mom's tops. I didn't say she was attractive. I said she was tops. Shout out to my grandma who lives in uh, Ponca City. She was such a huge Russell Westbrook fan. She was the first person I thought of when I like when the tweet actually registered in my brain. It, like it's down now. It's over. She was the first person I thought of. <laughs> Sorry, Grandma. Bless her heart. <laughs> uh, real quick, let's switch. Speaking of Russell Westbrook, he is now a Houston Rocket. Okay. Daryl Morey, by the way, I said this on uh, Thursday. It was Wednesday, Thursday. I don't know. I was on vacation. Yeah. Uh, but I said this. Daryl Morey is that guy. He's your friend that will, you know, buy your TV for $50 to get you out of a jam. He's like, <laughs> oh, yeah, I got you, bro. I got you. He has picked up Presti's trash twice now. And by trash, I mean MVP Hall of Fame caliber players to take to his team. Uh, now you have Russell Westbrook and James Harden. Uh, guys, I mean, obviously, two point guards there. How do you feel James Harden's going to take his, uh, obviously, his trip back to the bench coming off as a six man again? <laughs> um, you were talking earlier about how long is Presty going to be around? I, how long is Maury going to be around? Okay, I mean, he's he's got a goofy owner he's working for uh, that has already shown the tendency to be a tightwad uh, who is trying to be Mark Cuban and get his face out there in front of the media, which the media is loving. Like, no, no, keep doing that because that looks awful. Um, how long is Maury going to be around? I, I think by dealing, agreeing to trade these draft picks that are several years out, he doesn't care. He's, he's probably planning on trying to go out with a big bang at this point. Well, that's true. I thought about that too. But Houston's always been a franchise that somehow remains relevant. You know, like whatever it is about their ownership, and I know their ownership changed. um, So maybe I don't know how the previous owner. I don't know how long he was there. So maybe that was him. I think he was there even back in the nineties, right? So he won those two titles. Yeah, so okay. Yeah. So maybe it was just him. But like I was trying to think. Best case scenario, yes. Like Maury is seeing the situation as we've got to win now. We've got a window with Harden. He's only going to be a us top end level player for maybe the next two to three years at the max. Been there, done that. Yeah. So you've got to you get Russell Westbrook to basically maximize your ceiling as much as possible with your athleticism and to make James Harden happy because Daryl Morey never misses an opportunity to try and make James Harden happy. Um, but yes, there is that thought out there that maybe Morey isn't long for this world with the Rockets, and then those picks become much more important for the Thunder um, when that time comes. Yeah, we see this every so often with general managers. Um, Whenever a guy kind of can see the end coming, throw that Hail Mary pass, hope it catches a touchdown. Right. Uh, Obviously, Detroit did that recently with Blake Griffin. Uh, It happens. And I'm not saying that's what this is because Daryl's always been a guy who rolls the dice. Um, Anytime he can get superstars, he does it. I guess this might be a little bit different, though, because I think all of that stuff about James Harden and Chris Paul getting into it and being a problem, and then the exit interview at the end of the year when James like, yeah, I know it needs to change. And they're like, well, do you want to expound on that? He's like, nope. Like, I think all that points the the beat between those two. So I think he's, some of this might have been a little bit forced. He's so passive aggressive. Yeah, <laughs> I know. I know, it's which, crazy. I mean, okay, shout out to everybody who who said to, like, people like me that thought when Chris Paul was traded to the Rockets, I don't know if that's going to work. And then everybody waited until, like, the, the Rockets won, what, what, 66, 67 games. They were a game away from the finals. Yes, they had success. But everything that we, that people like me said... I don't know how that's going to work with Chris Paul and James. Also, Chris Paul is an injury concern. Yeah. All those things happen. All those things played out. 
Good luck with Russell Westbrook and James Harden. They are friends, but so so were Chris Paul and uh, James Harden. So are John and I. We hate working with each other. Do you know my favorite storyline coming out of Houston right though is Daryl Morey is apparently saying, "Well, Russell Russell's shooting numbers aren't going to continue to dip because he's never played with this many shooters. He's never going to be as open as he's going to be." How open were his jump shots this past year? People were in front of the rim guarding him. Dared him. I mean, he couldn't have been more open on jump shots if he tried. Is it Daryl watch a second of? Thunder basketball last year? There, a second? There was something in the Miami Herald the other day. Uh, apparently an executive said, yeah, Russell's never had uh, coaching like 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 he's going to have with Mike D'Antoni. It's true. And yeah. I was like, oh. He's always is, had good coaches. Is that is that Daryl Morey? <laughs> <laughs> he's always had really good coaches. Scotty Brooks and, and Donovan. Is it going to work, guys? Is it? Did you see the graphic? And it was, I think, Chisholm, you were watching at the same time. I don't, but, uh, John, you might have seen it. There were one and two like in a ton of Field goal take, attempts, yep, points, yep. usage, usage rates. Incredible. Uh, Three-point attempts, and there's one more in the past five years. I mean, assists and, assist and points. Yeah, assists. That was the other one. Is it going um, to work? Can, can I give Russ a little bit of credit here? Because I, I understand the narrative, and it's, and it's not all uh, invalid. Uh, but Russ did really try over the past two years to defer to Paul George Carmelo, uh, and then Paul George again. He did make an effort to def- to defer to Kevin Durant. Look, last year, Russ was deferring to Paul George in crunch time uh, like we hadn't seen before, but it didn't last all season. That's the thing with Russ is we've seen it so often where he understands like, oh yeah, I was told I need to do this. And it's like, he's trying to work a complplicated math problem, trying to round pie to like the 5,000th digit while he's playing basketball mm, and he pie. tends to revert. <laughs> right. So that's what I, I, I have no doubt he's going to try to make this work with James, but when is that instinct going to kick in uh, of, well, I guess I got to take over. Now. Yeah, exactly. I, I, I can see Russell Westbrook having a really good year this year. And so Thunder fans that are expecting it to not look pretty, um, I'm, I'm sorry. Like I think Russell Westbrook and James Harden are going to play extremely well together in the regular season. I will not be. I will reserve judgment until the postseason because, like we said, this entire offseason before everything went just to absolute hell. Um, it just what matters with Russell and the Thunder. What happens in the postseason? Does he make it personal? Does he pick somebody on the opposing team and say, "I've got to prove to the entire world that I'm better than you." If he does Shea that, Alexander. if he does that again with the Rockets, like let's say the Rockets run through the West because they, they're outside of um, bringing in Russell, they have the most continuity. They have a system that we've seen win a lot of games over these last two, two, three years. They can win sixty plus games. I won't care until they prove it in the postseason because the game slows down, the the lights get brighter, and that's when you're going to see those egos kind of go probably at, at each other. Now they will still, they're still boys. They still love each other, but. They both want to win, and they both want to win at their in in their own way. So I will reserve judgment until I see it in the postseason. Austin, yeah. Austin Rivers is dead, right? Austin Rivers is Austin, actually on the team. No, I'm just Austin saying. Rivers is dead after this season. Uh, he is not. Which Russell Westbrook is going to tear him apart? Probably. There's, there's no way he's going to. He's their Mario the, Chalmers. Now. Yes. There's no way he's going to live through the Russell Westbrook experiment. Houston's ceiling though is the exact same. Like nothing changed from my thoughts of Houston with the Russell Westbrook trade. I actually, they might win more regular season games because Russell, outside of a knee scope, every summer is super durable like that guy just plays if he's available he plays Chris Paul not that guy right um so I think they're gonna win more regular season games but the ceiling on Houston for me is still the system like we still haven't seen that system win a title because basically when it comes down to we do one thing we do one thing we do one thing we do one thing that works in the regular season when you see it just every you know two weeks every three weeks but the playoffs we've seen it time and time again that they do one thing 
Teams can adjust and they can figure out and they can stop that one thing. Okay. And so until I see Houston as a system, not right, not Russell Westbrook, not James Harden, Houston as a system overcome that. I just, I just, I there's a ceiling on that team. Chisholm, what you mean is Mike D'Antoni. Well, <laughs> that's the constant. I mean, yes, that is the but constant. But there are people copy and pasting that. And so I think everyone sure. who's following that model mm-hmm. is going to see some of, some of the same problems that Houston's seeing, but they are by far the most visible. Superstars matter. Uh, when you get in down into clutch situations, but you know Toronto was very much a ball movement, swing the get the extra pass, get right. everyone involved type of system until the game got close. Then Kawhi took over, right? And that's the thing; he took over uh, when he needed to. He didn't take over for forty eight minutes. Can we right. put an asterisk too on the Toronto Raptors winning and changing everything about winning uh, championship in the NBA? Because Don't I mean, Kevin Durant was injured. Clay Thompson was injured. Like, it's not like they found the key in the system. Uh, yes, there were injuries involved, and it let everybody rinse their mouth and figure out what was going to happen next season. So, like Brian Windhorst said, winning a title means you never have to apologize for yeah, it. Yeah, no, absolutely. You're right. You're right. The you're one right. thing I think teams might take away from Toronto's title is that maybe at some point there is too much star, quote unquote, star power in team. Maybe depth actually matters a little bit more than yes. we thought. Get I think really that'd be the one thing take Get away. about seven really that good right. guys. How about that? Get prop- your 26 guy to be an all star. One of the Thunder's biggest problems over the last few years when they've been contending was they just didn't have that depth after like the sixth or the seventh guy that they could throw someone out there to depend upon. 1077 the franchise, 1079 in Tulsa. Uh, Anthony Slater, who I think still works for the Golden State Warriors beat. I'm not sure where he's going now, but he put out uh, a list of duos now. All right, Hollow Notes isn't just the best duo anymore. There's others in the NBA. I know you don't know who they are, Brady. Uh, here we go. Rockets, Harden, Westbrook, Warriors, Steph and Draymond, eventually Clay. Uh, Clippers. Dilo did not make the list. Kawhi Yikes. and George. Blazers, Lillard and McCollum. Lakers, LeBron and AD. Jazz, Conley and Mitchell. Nuggets, Murray and Jokic. Eh. Mavericks, Doncic and Porzingis. Pelicans, Holiday and Zion. You know, here the big thing that I'm taking away there, Jerry, is we're talking about tandems. We're not talking about trios or quadruplets. We're talking about tandems. And the NBA, I think, has kind of finally reset. I, I've really wondered if p- players, all-star level players, are tired of taking a back seat because that third guy always has to take a back seat. And I wonder if this is just kind of a ripple effect from that. 1077 the franchise 1079 in Tulsa guys great show uh, appreciate it all your input there uh, this also is going to serve as the OKC82 podcast which you can listen to three times a week in the offseason and uh, there'll be one after every single game uh, in the season uh, Madison Morris Brady Trantham does a great job Chisholm Holland kicks in every now and then John and I will actually be on it too so be sure to listen subscribe and do all that stuff 